Hey everyone, you're listening to the newest episode of New Nerd Normal. I'm Dan, and I'm going to be this week's normal. I'm Vicky, and I'm going to be the nerd. I'm Steven, and I'm going to be the new. All right, so Vicky, given the hint that we got last time, what is our topic this episode? So we are going to be talking about another cartoon. It's very close to meaning as much to me as Avatar The Last Airbender is Steven Universe. All right. Steven, what, if anything, do you know about Steven Universe? Um, So this is going to be interesting because unlike Avatar, I really don't know a lot. (laughs) Like, Like, it's one, okay, it's one of those things where... I've seen it like a bunch like commercials and stuff. And it's like, I re- like, I can tell myself I really should watch this. Um, especially from, I guess a, a queer culture standpoint, because apparently it has a lot of um, queer culture things in it um, for a cartoon, but it's just something that I've never sat down and like committed to, but people tell me all the time because my name is Steven. They're like, oh, Steven Universe. And I'm like, um, I've never seen it. I do have a song on my phone because one day my one of my roommates was watching it and um, they started singing uh, Here We Are in the Future and I really liked that song. <laughs> so I do have that song, but I have no idea what the context is behind the song. Um, I know that there's a boy and his name is Steven, um, and he basically, like, meets a bunch of gemstones from another universe, and they kind of go on adventures together, and, like, there's good gemstones, and there's bad gemstones, and they basically take, like, the form of humans, and, uh, I assume the gemstones are, like, trying to protect Earth and maybe came from another planet to earth and um based on what i know from that song uh they make the earth a better place uh but that's kind of the vibe i get and like steven has powers as well um i don't know if he gets it from the gemstones or if he gets it just because but um yeah that's my steven universe knowledge so you're doing pretty good. I'm actually, I actually am going to talk quite a bit about, um, like, the queer culture involved in Steven Universe, because it's a big deal in the show and in the fandom. The fandom is, for the most part, a lot older than you'd expect, um, but that seems to be Cartoon Network's new gig, for the most mm. part. But uh, the, I'll just to talk super briefly about the creator, Rebecca Sugar, because I think she's just really cool. Um, she has kind of put a footprint in the anim- the world of animation through Steven Universe. She, again, with the LGBT community, just a big impact on that. She is bisexual and gender fluid. But uh, she is the creator, the executive producer, the storyline writer, the storyboard artist... And the songwriter for Steven Universe. So she does all of it. It's very much her baby. She also worked on Adventure Time, which I think is probably kind of where she got her start. I know she did some, like, voice work and stuff. Um, She was Marceline's mom. And she wrote some of the song work for Adventure Time. But she also did some of the new stuff on... Some of the newer Ben 10 stuff and Hotel Transylvania. So she's making her way into 
being pretty powerful in animation. But, fun fact, just to get you a little bit, because I know you were talking about, like, the music. There's a lot of guest stars, I think, would probably draw you in as a theater person, but also as a Drag Race fan. Do you know I know, who... I know Jinx is in it. Yes, that's where I was going with that. Yeah, Jinx is in it pretty briefly, but it's still really fun to me that she's in it because it's very on brand for her. But Nicki Minaj also guest stars. Patti LuPone also guest stars. Um, Gastel is a main character in it. Garnet. Mm -hmm. Um, But to give you, like, kind of a character overview, there's some of the minor humans. So, like, Mr. Smiley, who runs, like, a couple of the different companies around the town. Because it's all based in a town... Why am I blinking? Beach City. It is, it's all based in a town called Beach City. And Mr. Smiley runs the, like, festival over there, the arcade over there. There's, like, some, there's, like, this group of cool teens. There's Jamie the mailman. The other mailman is also um, a male woman. She is Sadie, who is part of running the donut shop. Uh, Lars also helps her run the donut shop. I will talk a little bit more probably about Sadie and Lars. They're the most, like, the most prominent of all of the minor humans in the show. Uh, Mayor Dewey, Onion. So there's a lot of, like, side characters like that. Um, the sec- there's secondary gems as well. But the gems that are more secondary characters are a lot more important than some of the townspeople. So you've got... Um, Peridot, Lapis, Jasper, Bismuth, they are all people that throughout the show start to arrive into Beach City and have their own storylines or have their own parts. And some of them stick around, some of them go away. Uh, Some of them I'll bring up more later, but that's just about it for now on those because there's just such a complex tree of characters the most important of the humans to touch on is Greg, who is Steven's dad, and Connie, who is Steven's best friend and or romantic interest, depending on how and when you join the show. Um, the most important gems, though, are his quote-unquote aunts or quote-unquote gem moms or however the fandom wants to word it, but it is, they kind of raise Steven because Steven is half gem, half human. So Greg gets together with Rose. Rose Quartz is his mom and she leads the crystal gems. The crystal gems was originally a lot bigger, but now is just pearl amethyst and garnet. Um, and Rose, because she's not human, has no other way of giving birth to Stephen and a weird, in a weird way, kind of turns into Stephen. So she kind of just passes on and Stephen is her. Um, so he has her gem. So he is a Rose Quartz gem. It's on his belly button. I was going to say, I know that. Yep, so whenever Greg 
ends up being a single parent pretty unexpectedly. And Greg also, he is very well-meaning, but, and a very, very good soul, but he never really got his feet underneath him. He lives in a van. He's a rock star that kind of just didn't end up going anywhere with his career. He does own a car wash um, in the town. But when he meets Rose, he kind of, everything turns upside down and he ends up this single parent of this child, which was okay until he found out the child also had Rose's powers. And at that point, Greg kind of takes a back seat in raising Steven and Steven ends up getting raised by Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet. So just to kind of like go over the plot briefly, because there's a lot, uh, (laughs) Mm. but it is essentially the aftermath of a war. So Homeworld is where the gems are from, but Homeworld is very stiff um, in the way that they live life and very stiff in a way that anyone who lives differently than them doesn't belong. Which is the case for most of the Crystal Gems. So, Garnet, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I couldn't really think of a way to get around it. Garnet is a fusion, which, to explain fusions, they are, when two gems come together, they become one entity. So, their physical forms are an illusion, an illusion of light. Um, So whenever they fuse, it is two entities becoming one. So they both exist simultaneously, but also create a whole new being. Garnet is a ruby and a sapphire. She becomes one person. The war is already kind of into effect whenever she joins, but she ends up taking a pretty big role in the war. So Pearl was Rose's right-hand girl. Rose is the one who started the rebellion. She was sent onto Earth basically to destroy it. They were using the Earth as a means to birth other gems, so they would plant them and they would come out of the earth there was different kinds of gems that they could do that with but they wanted it to become basically a birthing ground for gems which would cause the extinction of most earth wildlife including humans rose comes and gets pretty attached to earth and sees the beauty in earth and says like we're done with this because they've already destroyed multiple planets And she starts to think it's not right the way that they treat other gems and the way that they treat other planets. So she creates a rebellion. And whenever Rose, for less accurate way to describe it, 
when she passes on, she kind of leaves the aftermath to what is left of the rebellion because a majority of the rebellion got killed in war, shattered in war is what they'd call it. You can be poofed, which is whenever they would be potentially die, but they just go into their gem, and whenever they go into their gem, they kind of have to reevaluate, and they get to choose certain parts of themselves that can change their physical form, and then they come back in their physical form. But when they get shattered, that means their gem got shattered, and they do not come back. So most of the rebellion has been shattered, besides who's left, and Steven, as the show goes on, starts to discover kind of the necessities of war and some of the shitty things that Rose did and some of the shitty things that the Rebellion and the home world. And he has to clean up her mess. And that's a majority of what the show is about is just him slowly discovering things and slowly cleaning up the mess that she left behind. All right, and then just to go into it a little bit more, who are Rose, Amethyst, and Garnet? Like, what makes them unique? So, Rose is a Rose Quartz gem. She has healing abilities, which Steven ends up picking up himself. Garnet has a mixture of ruby and sapphire's abilities. So a sapphire gem is rarer than a lot of the gems, and she can see the future, but she can see the future in a way that she can see all the possibilities that could occur. So the sapphires were used in war to try to predict every outcome that could come from a certain strategy. Uh, a ruby, though, was just a bodyguard, which is one of the reasons in the show why they weren't supposed to fuse, is that they were different. Because the way that the um, home world works is kind of like a matriarchy where it's got the um, the diamonds, which would be the queens, and then down, 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 but a sapphire would be way up on the totem pole, the totem pole, and a ruby would be further down on the totem pole, because she's just a soldier. Amethyst was born on Earth, and she's never been to Homeworld. She is, quote-unquote, deformed from what she's supposed to be. Most amethysts are very large, strong, leading soldiers, and she is a little bit smaller than even human Steven and strong, but not in the way that amethysts are supposed to be. Pearl was a servant on Homeworld, but ends up being leading the rebellion next to Rose and is a master swordsman. So for the listeners, the reason I'm the normal on this is I've watched the first season and then like random other episodes since then. Um, and I know as the show has gone on, Pearl has gotten cooler, I guess. Like, yeah, in that, in that first season, she was very much the you know, stick in the mud 
you know, character were like, hey, we're all going to go do something fun. And she's like, no, 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 you have to be responsible and you have to train and do chores and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then so a lot of the point of sorry, continue. Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, and then when I caught other episodes later, Pearl was like, oh, she's much more interesting now. Yeah, so Steven, a lot of Steven's character is that he brings out the better in people. So the show is very good about humanizing villains. Uh, The thing I would compare it to, the fandom that I compare it to as far as villains go... In, a, in the strangest way would be Batman. That Batman never has a villain that is just bad because they're bad. There's always a rhyme or reason. There's always good and bad mixed into the character. And it's the same way with Steven Universe where no one is all good or bad. Everyone has made mistakes and everyone has done good. Um, I could debate that, but that's for another time. You could what? I said I could debate that, but that's for another time. For Batman? Yes. (laughs) We could probably go on about that for a while. I love the Batman villains. I don't... We'll go to that another time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll we'll just say, like, at least in my opinion, the best Batman villains are like that. Yeah. Correct. You're right. You're right. Not every Batman villain, but that's... That was the comparison I came up with. Most of, yeah, most of yeah. them are. I think I could debate a couple, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, um, we we can go, we can go, I mean, not to get off on this much of a tangent, but like, Joker's pretty much just a dick. Yeah, I was going to say, Joker, it depends on your, uh, it depends on what history you want to go with with Joker. If you're like a yeah. original Batman fan where you don't, take the movies and stuff into account you really don't know joker's backstory so in batman's eyes he's basically just like doing all of the stuff he does just to do it like he like joker literally his whole being is just causing chaos to cause chaos right mm-hmm. so yeah i agree with that they kind of um in a way that i won't say it makes me against the franchises or anything but they kind of demonize mental health in a way because the whole like story of joker is just oh he's crazy you know oh yeah there's actually a really fascinating book um that you can get online where they talk about each batman villain in their psychosis so you can you can kind of learn why they do what they do and what in the real science behind it mm-hmm. yeah. is that psychology and batman I think so. I remember I saw it at Barnes and Noble once, and I picked it up for a bit. <laughs> uh, there were there's a whole series like that because they also did a one that I have called Philosophy and the X Men. That's really cool and gets into some really like nuanced takes on exactly where they fit into society. Going back from like the civil rights stand in when they were first created, like throughout the '60s to where they are in, like, the 90s representing the LGBT community and then into now. Oh, yeah, no. X-Men is, uh, yeah, I love what they stand for. But anyway, back to Steven Universe, Vicky. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <Comic book. laughs> 
Point being, nobody in the show is ever all bad or all good. Um, that does create some controversial writing um, because a lot of the time it turns into a cycle of, well, Steven turns so-and-so good. Um, which well, I was going to say, I got the vibe that Rose Quartz wasn't good. And I'm only going off of this based off of um, knowing the movie, because that's the only thing I yeah. know. So, is a little doll that hates Rose Quartz. Yeah, by the time of the movie, we find out that Rose Quartz was not good. Um, okay. Steven kind of ends up figuring that out himself because even Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet at the beginning think that Rose was very, very good. But you start to meet other people. Bismuth is one of them. Um, really, all of them. Um, you start to meet other gems who have had experiences with Rose that were really messed up. So we do start to slowly find out that Rose was not all that, but she did do some good. The comparison I would make would be a lot of, and this is a hot topic, at least for, as we're recording this, um, a lot of historical figures I would compare Rose to where they did some good, but they also did a whole lot of bad. So it all depends what history decides to highlight. And Rose is very much a, a sense like that. Yeah, so the other gens before Rose met Greg, they stayed on Earth for thousands of years, just kind of peacefully. And when Steven is born, it kind of ruffles things up a little bit. Just because she had a child, basically, with a human? Well, they don't know that. So things kind of start... Like, there will be gems that show up and they're looking for Rose Quartz and they don't understand that Steven is Rose Quartz now. But it's mostly Steven finding out and getting involved in his mom's past. And because before, the gems would kind of just fight people off, get the hell off Earth, basically, and then not really approach the subject any further than that. But now Steven will meddle a little bit more than the gems would on their own. And because of that, he starts discovering things that he feels he needs to fix. He's very much one of those heroes that nothing can go unfixed. And so it starts to ruffle feathers and create other plot lines. So he's more of an active character than a reactive as the show goes on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Now, I have a question, um, just because I don't know anything. Um, but is so Stephen is kind of like half a human, half a gem. Mm -hmm. Are there other male gems, or is it all just female? Okay, so that kind of segues. I, I can kind of use that to segue into the LGBT of the show. The okay. show, the gems are genderless. Um, but they're all female conforming. Okay. That, from what I've gathered from it, is basically only in place so that they could get Cartoon Network to pass on the fact that the show is about a bunch of lesbians. Yeah, it was, <laughs> um, it kind of 
was brought to the light during actually uh, flashing back to Avatar because when it turned into this whole thing of just um, for spoilers of Korra Mm -hmm. being in love with a woman and Nickelodeon having issues with it from a censoring standpoint and then going like, well, what about Cartoon Network? They do it with Steven Universe. And that kind of brought to light the whole fact that, well, they're rocks, like they're stones. They don't have gender. They're not male or female. They present female, but that doesn't mean that that's what they are. Therefore, you know, it like the I guess the way that the censoring was set up didn't have any rules in place for anything like that. Right. It starts to get more and more blatant. Because at the beginning, they're like, oh, they're not, like, the excuse in general would have been, like, oh, well, they're not romantic, and they're not, like, gender-confirming because they're rocks. But slowly but surely, I mean, the first time we meet both halves of Garnet, Ruby and Sapphire, they kind of, like, embrace, and I think Ruby kisses her on the cheek or something, and then, like, a season or two later, something similar happens where they're broken up and not Garnet. And they just full-on are making out. I was going to so, say, I've seen relationships from... Yeah, so it gets more and more blunt because also Rose is in love with Pearl. Um, and at first they're like, oh, she's just, you know, looks up to her and they're best friends and everything. And it slowly turns into, like... Greg and Pearl having a whole conversation about like you were in love with her and I took her from you you know and there's also discussions about gender identity within the show at the very end of the show a character a very a side character is introduced that is um non-gender confirming conforming that is a human so it slowly starts to get more and more blatant, but they used their excuses where they could for a long time. It didn't stop it from getting censored in a lot of places and even not ran in a lot of places. It's still great, though, that they Cartoon Network was okay to at least, over time, let her, the creator, do what she wanted with it. Oh, yeah. No, it's super cool. I, I mean, I guess on ca- Cartoon Network side, it's kind of like it's working, you know, because it was getting its views and it was getting, it was making its money and selling its merchandise. So, but, you know, Adventure Time did a similar thing where... As Adventure Time went on, well, like, as Adventure Time went on, they ended up dealing with, instead of just, like, Monster of the Week or, you know, Horses with Pooh Brain, they started getting into, like, Oh, this is what abusive relationships look like, both romantic and familial. Yeah, Steven Universe did that a lot, too. It got much... I, I was referring to um, Princess Bubblegum and Marceline, but oh, that true. as well. Steven well I was going to say, I've always gotten the vibe that Finn is pan. Right, or at least maybe I'm crazy. I haven't watched a lot of Adventure Time, but I just I feel like he would be open to anything. They never approach it, but there's also, in that show in particular, he's one of the only remaining humans. So I think that complicates things. 
true. Yeah, I know. I know that he likes Princess Bubblegum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he likes Princess Bubblegum. He likes Flame Princess at one point. Um, there might be more that I'm not thinking about, or that I'm blanking on right now. I think of it too, but I don't think so. I think it's just the two of them. There's like offhand mentions about like, what about this princess who's like made of buttons or something? (laughs) I mean, none of them hold a candle, the turtle princess. I'm just putting that out there. (laughs) Lord. Turtle that, that's an actual princess from the show. Yeah. See, much like Steven Universe, Adventure Time is another one where I'm like, I know that if I sat, I now I've watched one or two episodes of Adventure Time, but I know that if I sat down and actually committed, I would really like both of them. Like, so before we go there, just to, about the topics, just briefly, um, they. Where was I going? I don't even know. There's just a lot. But the the topics get a lot darker. And they they start to cover abuse and racism and that kind of thing as well. But with Adventure Time... And me and Dan talked about it before the podcast. We were going to go here at some point anyways. Same thing happens with Steven Universe. happens with Adventure Time. Adventure Time, I think, is very hard to take on now as an adult. Because my experience with Adventure Time was... I was young and very much like Finn at the time that I started watching Adventure Time. So as it got darker and as it got more mature, so did I. But the first two seasons of Adventure Time are super obnoxious. And Steven Universe is the same way. It has some pretty obnoxious episodes towards the beginning until it starts to get more mature. Yeah, like that's... It's actually where my more controversial opinion for Steven Universe fans comes in, which is that the reason that I stopped watching the show is that I really just kind of hated Steven. Um, and not just his his personality was grating. But one thing that I noticed is that even as the show kind of started to mature a little bit. They didn't like to have any important character moments happen without his involvement Mm -hmm. so even when there'd be an if there was an episode where he wasn't there nothing of substance felt like it was happening at all and then he'd show up a few episodes later and then suddenly like oh let's actually do some character growth based on that thing we saw before yeah it's a super legitimate criticism of the show you know, this is going to be inter- this, this is going to be interesting, and like I said, I've not seen the show, but I think one of the reasons that I haven't jumped on it, and this is going to sound crazy, but anytime I watch like commercials and stuff, I don't like Steven. I don't like the personality the that record, I see in the commercials. Cartoon Network is the worst ever advertiser in history, in my opinion. They do not represent their shows well at all. Because Adventure Time is the same way. Yeah. Um, like, I find the rest of the gemstones and all that interesting. But then, I guess my mindset was, well, this entire thing is centered around this kid. And I just, right. I don't know what it I didn't like the voice. I didn't like the character model. I didn't like the type. Like, like, it just, I don't know what it is. But I 
you know, if I sat down and gave it a chance, I think I'd be fine. But it's like, you know, it's, you know, um, it's basically don't, don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people do when it comes to TV episodes. Um, but if like the show is just about the aliens and the gems, I might have been drawn into it a little bit more. But I just assumed that the show was completely about Stephen. Yeah, so just like Finn in Adventure Time, Stephen slowly ages as well. Um, he starts off as, I think, 12 and ends the show at either 16 or 18. So he's very much the kid who is stuck amongst the adults' problems. I compare it a little bit to something I really like about the show Rugrats is that you can see when you watch it as an adult, you can see the adult problems that are happening around these kids and these kids are just being kids. Steven's very much the same way. He gets wrapped up in a lot of adult issues and he's just busy being a kid. Yeah, because, I mean, Steven's right. They did focus very, very heavily on Steven and all their promotion. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it, if they went like, all right, look, people like to see themselves in characters. And thinking about just the personalities now between Steven, Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet, Mm -hmm. they're just like with so many other things, they're the four humors. So, you know, they, the same way people Mm -hmm. like to sort themselves with like, going back to what we kind of tangented on last episode, like, Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, or Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael, or hell, even like Fred, Daphne, Shaggy, and Velma. Mm-hmm. Like people have their favorite that they identify more with. And Stephen Pearl, Amethyst, and Garnet fit the four humors perfectly. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. they just did some commercials that were like, you know, are you a steven who like not saying it in these words like are you a steven is do you like michelangelo from the ninja turtles and um hufflepuff well here you go oh do you like um like ravenclaw well here's pearl slash donatello here you go like Mm -hmm. like there's so many ways that they could have done that that they just didn't and i feel like that seems like the type of thing that the fandom probably did themselves but network should have jumped on that i'll say i never started the show because of any advertising i started the show because the show started to get wrapped up in some like internet forums and internet communities that i was involved in and as a result, I was I was just I remember specifically because a lot of the fandoms that I've gained, I gained while I was sick and out of school for a week because I was sick. And that, that was this case as I was like, well, I'm sick. I might as well start watching this show. And I'll say that Garnet is a lot of the reason that I kept watching for a long time was that I was very attached to Garnet as a character. And I think everyone, because they very much do create that, is, um, like, the fandom, for example, will come up with their quote-unquote gem personas. So it would be, like, what kind of gem would you be? And what power would you have? And that kind of thing. But in the same way, people also 
very, very clearly will identify with one gem over another. I was going to say, like, even not watching the show, the one that I, like, if I had to, if someone was like, pick a gem right now that you like and identify with and you want to know more about, uh, it would definitely be Pearl. Because I like the look of Pearl. I like her animation design. Um, and from the little I know of her, it's kind of like a character that I connect with in general. So <laughs> that's kind of what I was saying kind of before. It's just like, I I wish that, you know, maybe they honed in on them a little bit more. And maybe they do, which is obviously need to watch the show. But um, yeah, she's definitely the one that out of the four I look at immediately and go, that's the one I like. Yeah, the they do they they dive very far into every character's character development. Even a lot of the secondary characters have very profound character development. Dan does have a point that it only happens when Steven is around. Uh, but I think a lot of the draw of the show is more the themes that it encounters. Again, it's heavy, heavy, heavy. LGBT themes. Hmm. It's a very progressive show. It's a very social justice in the cleanest light possible kind of show. And it has a lot of really beautiful messages. I went through I went through a phase where I would watch it first thing in the morning. I'd record it the night before and I'd watch it first thing in the morning. And every episode at some point I'm sitting on the couch crying now because there's just a lot of moments that are just very wholesome and they plug into real life in just very sweet ways. I, I think for me, it has impacted a lot of the way that I see, see the world and see situations. And I think it does a lot of good in just the theme itself and the way that it's the way the characters interact with each other. And the way that the characters interact with real life situations. That's how I also felt. I don't know if either of you have watched uh, Star versus the Forces of Evil. Star gets compared to Steven Universe a whole lot. And Star, I have this I have the problem with Star that you have with Steven Universe. Um, I want to get through it and I have not yet. And I think once I got into like the middle of season two, I'd probably be okay. But the first season, I didn't like anyone. <laughs> so the way that the show was for me is that it wasn't so much the, I'm a sucker for good world building. Mm -hmm. And as far as like a kid's show, especially a Disney Channel kid's show, I'd say the only one I can think of that has better world building is probably Gravity Falls. Yeah, I so mean, I know Stephen's a fan Falls. of Gravity Falls, and that's another I one universe gets compared to a lot is Gravity love, Falls. I they love actually, Gravity the one character, I haven't seen Gravity Falls at all, but uh, the... Oh, Vicky, you... I know, it's we, it's my weird thing with animation. The animation bugs me for some reason. Just, just get through episode one, and then you'll be fine. The animation gets so much better after the first episode, once it wasn't a a pilot anymore mm -hmm. just not even the full season literally just watched the 20 minute like them going to say to hang out with their grunkle and then you'll be in did you see or sorry the which character has the star in star versus the forces of evil that star 
Isn't there a character on Gravity Falls or something that has a star with a red background? I don't know if it's their shirt or what. Uh, all I'm picture all I'm picturing is Steven's shirt right now. I know. I, so there's some there's some reference to Gravity Falls that is a star because I will compliment somebody's shirt and say I love Steven Universe and they will say this is Gravity Falls and I don't know what um, it, hmm. Steven I think she's thinking of Mabel because her shirt has the star on it and is red but it has the the tail behind it. I was gonna say if it's anybody it's gonna be Mabel because Mabel. Gravity. Yeah. I would say Mabel, to be honest with you, because it does have a star, Maybe? but it's a shooting star. Yeah, I see it now. Well, it sounds like I'm going to have to watch the show and find out what it is for myself. So good. And it's only two seasons, so it's not bad. Is it really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if you like cryptozoology, it's also a great show. Mm, I do. But yeah, but going back to um, Star vs. the Forces of Evil, as I'm watching it, I couldn't help but think about what I've heard from other people that Steven Universe kind of became. Mm -hmm. Because specifically, when you get to some later episodes, I want to say maybe the third season, when they start going into the history of the kingdom that Star comes from. And looking into just kind of the, you know, when you compare that to, like, our real world, like, gender norms mm -hmm. and, like, gender roles, it plays with them in some really cool ways. Also, there's a pilgrim involved for some reason that I don't understand. But regardless of that, <laughs> like, there's just a random character. There's a character that they introduce who is dressed as a pilgrim at a real point in world history that doesn't make sense for them to be a pilgrim but that's beside the point like it takes some of that like here's what you expect kind of from a show like this right especially being like aimed at kids and now let's actually like look through it at some through some like progressive lenses mm -hmm. now you mentioned world building and that is a huge thing for me um and i'm curious with like steven universe because um, I know Adventure Time kind of does it, but like, and I guess the closest thing that I know that I can equate it to is like Harry Potter, where there's a lot of information if you really want to delve into it that's not even just in the books. Um, is Steven Universe like that? Where is there like a lot of big world building? Absolutely. You learn, you learn about Steven's world as Steven is learning about his world. It's at some point you end up on Homeworld and the first time because at the very beginning of the show every it's I the thing I have to compare it to is Adventure Time where Adventure Time first time they mentioned the Mushroom War you're like huh that's kind of weird and you slowly start to gather what the Mushroom War is but for me when I was watching Adventure Time every time, time they mentioned the Mushroom War I'm glued I'm suddenly like, oh, God, what are they going to say? What are they going to let me know about? What is, like, give me more information. And same thing happened with Steven Universe, where at first, you're every single little mention of Homeworld and every single mention of Rose, you're like, oh, what's the new information? What are they going to tell me? And then slowly but surely, Homeworld is just a regular part of the show. And you you 
you get to go the first time they go in home world it's like you see like a little corner of home world and then suddenly it opens up and you can see all of the the politics behind it all of the conspiracies behind it you get to see a much broader picture before you even realize you're seeing it so is there like other related items like it let's say i started watching the show has the creator made comics or or written stories outside of the tv show itself um they have i have not read the steven universe comics i don't know how much they actually really add to the story but they have wrote some comics they're, i'm pretty sure they're non-canon though i think yeah. they are non-canon i have not again i have not read them so i don't know i don't think there's that many i've read like experts of them off of like pinterest but that's about it besides that it's just the show the movie and then the um continuation of steven universe steven universe future which is like a second little show that was built to only be one season and it kind of gives you steven's aftermath of the war his own personal aftermath of the war and they like approach his ptsd and his issues and that show shows steven very much in a more human light than any other part of the show does. Um, but that's that kind of explains where a lot of the characters end up after the war and everything. I also know that a huge draw with the show is the music. Yeah, the music's a, a big, big thing. Uh, there's almost a song per episode or maybe per every other episode it's very almost like Broadway inspired in the loosest way possible, which I know doesn't make much sense, but I think most people who know the music understand that. A lot of theater people, uh, I know theater people who don't even watch the show, but like the music. So no, I was going to say with, with the movie like i said i have we are here we are in the future because i just i heard it one day and i was like i really like that song and then i also have um i don't know i can't remember her name but the little doll the i know i've heard the story over and over like i like the music mm -hmm. like i do connect with it so i'm sure if i actually yeah. watched the show i'd probably have a bunch of the the music and uh um i know i i, I know that there's a connection between Adventure Time and uh, Steven Universe in one of the songs, because I remember watching an interview with the creator and she said that the song about the garden on Adventure Time mm -hmm. is about the garden where that she leaves the toy in Steven Universe. Yeah. So Spinel, the toy is Spinel. She's yeah. not a toy. She is her essentially her um oh gosh what are they called the jokers oh. in a court so she's essentially there to entertain the queens oh a jester gesture there you go thank you which it 
goes into a major spoiler that I'm not going to spoil simply because I think um, it's such a big part of the shift of the show that it would kind of ruin the show to know it. So I won't go there. But um, that's her name is Spinell, and she's only in the movie and in Steven Universe Future. Okay. And she's pretty unique as a villain because the show gets where it's pretty... Okay, here's this villain. Okay, here's the story behind this villain. Okay, here is how they turn good. And that's another complaint similar to Dan's that people have with the show, and I think it's another valid one. Um, And Spinell has a similar story, but she is unique in a couple of ways that I think made it pretty interesting, having watched the show long term. All right, so since we're getting close to our time limit, Steven, does any of this make you want to watch Steven Universe? Um, yeah, I think I've already, like, almost said it, really, but it's like, yeah, I definitely, it's one of those ones that I, I think, I actually, especially after this conversation, if I sit down um, and really commit the time, it is something that I uh, definitely would like to watch. I do see that it is something in the near future that I actually go, okay, I'm going to finally start Steven Universe um and uh actually watch it all the way through same thing with the adventure time series i think i just need to sit down and really devote the time to it um i actually like right now i actually have been watching a cartoon network show that's almost in the same vein which is called uh infinity train i want to watch that one i have not it's really good it, it, it kind of, like, based on the conversation we've had today, it kind of gives off that same vibe where it's like, okay, is this going to start out cartoony? And then it kind of does, but then once it gets, finds its legs, it starts to turn very adult. So, it like, essentially, basically, the plot is, is that a girl... Um, uh, like, I'm not even going to give you a whole plot. It's literally a girl... Uh, is walking along the train tracks one day. Uh, her parents, uh, she has like issues with her parents and stuff. And all of a sudden a train comes out of nowhere. And the next moment she wakes up and she's on the train and she has to go from car to car. And each episode is about a different car and her experiences inside that car trying to get to the front of the train. And if she essentially uh, falls off the train, she'll die because there's these monsters that like kill people outside of the train. So it's kind of, you're trying to figure out like what is, what is going on and like she's trying to get to the front and kind of figure out how to get off the train. So it's, it's kind of, it's very Snowpiercer-esque if you know that. I was just thinking about Snowpiercer as you were describing it. Yeah, it's very Snowpiercer, but for kids. And, like, one car she goes into, it's a bunch of corgis, and they all live in this corgi world, and you learn about them. And then there's another car where she meets a robot, and each car is, like, really uniquely designed. So, like, one of the perks of watching the show, or one of the draws, I guess I should say, is that you want to see what the next car is going to look like on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the show that I've been watching, but it's, it reminds me a lot of like Adventure Time and Steven Universe. So I think after I finish that one, Steven Universe is probably the next one I'm going to jump in. My friend actually made the argument to me recently because she was talking about a couple cartoons that 
I haven't watched Star actually being one of them. She's trying to talk me into um, giving Star another chance. And I said my whole thing where I say that if 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 I have to power through a whole season, I don't really want to watch it. And she was like, the thing is, is like that works for live actions. But when it comes to cartoons, it seems like a lot of modern day cartoons are trying to get the network's eyes off of them. So they come up with something pretty silly and then it gets serious by the time that people are paying less attention to it. I can agree to that. And I think that was a really interesting point. I think a lot of cartoons are doing that these right now. Oh, I was going to say, I think most of the Cartoon Network shows these days, you could even say, like, well, they're not for kids. Like, it's, it's, I yeah. mean, kids can get a lot out of it, but it's like they, the draw is almost if you're an adult and you pick up on a lot of stuff that I think a kid may have a hard time picking up on. Well, because right. Cartoon Network, like they they figured out kind of the way to make the most money from it, which isn't mm-hmm. having. It's not about the shows; it's about the sale of merch. Mm-hmm. And you know, the old way of doing things for cartoons was going like, "Well, let's just make a show that kids will like, so that then kids will be like, oh, yeah, mommy, daddy, I want this toy or whatever.'" But now they're just like, "But you know." now that it's no longer taboo to be into nerdy stuff. Yeah. Cartoon Network has jumped into the deep end of going like, hey, kid-friendly show appeals to adults, so the kids can want those toys, but hey, adults, here's a hat or a shirt or a Mm -hmm. backpack or, you know, patches, enamel pins, whatever that you can buy to show your love for whatever this thing is. There was actually a huge thing that happened in the Steven Universe fandom where all of the, like, forums and Facebook groups and everything were saying, like, okay, we gotta stop pirating this because Cartoon Network was confused because there was a ton of merch sales and very few views, live views, because it was a bunch of college kids and stuff who didn't have cable. They just would find it online later. So since that was like the major way of watching the show, Steven U- or not Steven Universe, Cartoon Network was kind of like, what's going on? And it almost got canceled too soon because I mean, of it. I mean, that's the opposite of what happened with... Um... Teen Titans and Justice League Unlimited, where the show's ratings were great, mm-hmm. but toy sales were and merch sales were really low. And so they weren't making their money back through all the licensing and ended up canceling them that way. Yeah. Cartoon Network kind of achieved what Nickelodeon didn't hop on board in time for, since, you know, Nickelodeon's kind of dying. Yeah, it's in its own little limbo right now when it used to be, like, one of the major, if not the major animation studio of its time, you know? And now it's, like, because they didn't figure out that formula, you know? I was going to say, yeah, Nickelodeon really only has Spongebob left. Yeah. They is massive. Yeah, yeah. They, they mostly seem to pick up on the, like, teen live action things yeah they're trying to do what disney is yeah did and i think it's a 
it's not a good direction to go because a lot of the teen live action dramas or comedy shows on Disney Channel, they're hard to even watch. It's like, it's just, yeah, it's not working, especially not working for Nickelodeon. But they they didn't figure out the formula that I'm glad that Cartoon Network seemed to figure out. Well, you know, we we say like, oh, there's, you know, like Steven Universe and Adventure Time. It's more for adults than kids. But as I'm sitting here thinking about it, of like the stuff I used to watch as a kid, like if my parents would have actually sat down and watched Johnny Bravo, (laughs) they probably would have been like. Why are we letting our kid watch this? Show? So my dad did. My dad actively watched SpongeBob and SpongeBob, SpongeBob and Rugrats, and um, a lot of like Powerpuff Girls and oh, that God, kind of courage. Thing. Like I mean, you look at courage, oh, the cowardly God, dog. Courage. Yeah. Oh, I just, the argument I always bring up for this, or the the example, is Rocco's Modern Life. Mm. Oh yeah. Because there is literally an episode of it. Where Heifer and Filbert borrow Rocco's video camera so that they can follow his dog around and get video of his dog getting an erection. Are you serious? Yes, they call yeah. it his they call it his trick. And they're like, We gotta get his trick on camera, we gotta get his trick on camera. And then he's out sniffing and then sees like something in the yard. And right before like he or he like lifts his leg or something like that and then the screen goes black and you see the little low battery symbol and you hear like a popping like a wet popping sound and heifer and filbert are just like he did it he did it oh my god he did it that doesn't look anything like what i thought it was gonna look like and then the episode just ends holy crap yeah Yeah. nickelodeon was very good at that kind of thing Oh, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's my early Nicktoons, with the exception mm-hmm. of Doug. Oh, were yeah. Pretty, like, Doug's wholesome as hell. Right. Well, even, like, as told by Ginger, covers a lot of very, oh, yeah. very young young things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The theme song alone was very adult. The theme song to what? To As Told, as told by, by Ginger. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like most, yeah, I was going to say, like most, there's there were some wholesome things. I mean, I look at like the wild thornberries. That was pretty wholesome. I mean, you learned a lot about the world, but there wasn't really any, there wasn't too much behind it. But, yeah. but like Courage the Cowardly Dog, it's like, gosh, some of the things they did in that show, if you're watching it as a child, must have been like, I don't know. I guess I was, oh, I was super scared of that show when I was a kid. <laughs> But it's it's the stuff we remember, though. Yeah, I, I watch I watch Rugrats a lot as a kid, and I watch it regularly now. I'll put it on in the background all the time. I've rewatched the whole show many times, and it like it just blows my mind with Rugrats how different it is watching it as a kid and as watching it as an adult. Because when you're seeing it as a kid, you're looking at it through, you know, Tommy, Phil, Lil, and Chucky's eyes but then when you're watching it as an adult it's it's a completely different story it's super cool yeah, yeah. although i mean rugrats did also change oh, um, drastic dramatically yeah like when you yeah. look at and i'm not even talking about the all grown up stuff but like 
once Dill was in the picture and they went from having just really neglectful parents mm-hmm. to using their imaginations, it became a completely different show just using the same characters. Yeah. No, that show evolved a lot, which SpongeBob's evolved a lot as well. But that one has figured out how to make it to now. You know, SpongeBob's just as old as many of those shows. Yeah, 1999. Yeah. I was about to say, like, I watched a recent SpongeBob episode, and it's very much like, I think, taken certain tropes from things like Adventure Time, where Mm -hmm. a lot of the jokes are just like, what just happened? Like, just very Mm -hmm. out there jokes. I've seen, like, clips from a recent episode, and it was done in this whole, like, you know, oh, look at how far SpongeBob's fallen. This isn't the show we grew up with, like, thing where they, like, compared, like, a classic episode to the newer ones. Mm -hmm. And all I kept thinking of was The Simpsons, where, like, People who were fans of the old early stuff are just like, what the hell is this? This is terrible. But the Mm -hmm. show knows its audience and grew up and evolved to stick with its audience where, you know, the, the, the Simpsons is more of a like referential, like family sitcom where it's like, all right, now, like what's big? Well, uh, you know, vegans like that's a big thing now yeah let's do an episode on that spongebob looked at what kids like now and saw the success of things like you know uncle grandpa and amazing world of gumball and went like okay well if that's what kids want let's just do that right i think one of the times where it was really and i don't know if you guys might uh feel the same where I had that jarring experience as an adult going, wow, this is really different. And it's going to make complete sense because of Adventure Time. The first time I watched the newer Mickey Mouse cartoons. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was like, what is this? I <laughs> oh, yeah, no, the strong the st- opinions on that. <laughs> the like, I get what they were going for because they tried to do a modernized version of black and white. 40s like I'll buy works in Walt Disney era Disney mm-hmm. but the modern take on it is I don't know, like I feel like part of what made that work and as weird as it's going to sound because it wasn't drawn this way but just because of the animation style and cells on backboards and all that they had very soft edges like they were very yeah. like they were soft in tone mm-hmm just as far as like looking at it but now with it all being done digitally the take is so like jarring it's just like no listen listen here you little shits you are going to sit and you are going to look at mickey do weird things for 20 minutes (laughs) seriously and then you are going to stop it's like there's one or two that i like you know i I show people, and granted, I love them. Like, I love the Potato Land thing because I think it's hysterical. But it is jarring to see those characters that we know so well from our youth and see them do things that you've never seen them do before. Like, Mickey, you know, does some crazy crap. (laughs) And it's like, that's not Mickey. Mickey doesn't do that. Did you ever see... 
I think Vicky might be too young for this, but maybe you've seen it, Stephen. Uh, did you ever see The Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat? No, but that name sounds familiar. Um, well, you you know who Felix the Cat is, right? Yes. So in the, I want to say late 90s, they did a show called The Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat. And it was in that same vein as like Archie's Weird Mysteries, where let's take a really well-known oh, franchise. Like it was basically let's take a really well-known franchise character license whatever and just do something completely off the wall with it and just see how it sticks and both of them failed despite the fact that both of them were really good shows but the twisted tales of felix the cat is kind of whether they mean it to be or not and who knows maybe some of the same people worked on that that are doing the new mickey mouse cartoons but like it took Felix, who was already kind of like weird just because of the era that he, you know, came out in, like, I mean, 40s black and white cartoons are just weird. Even the early like Mary Melodies, like Foxy and Roxy and Bosco and Honey and Goopy Gear and all that, like those are weird. I love them. I have like Mm. one of the DVD sets that's a bunch of them and I'll watch them for hours, but they're Mm. weird as hell shows. And like Felix tried to like capture that but story wise we're like we're gonna have a narrative going for this 20 minute episode and now like with dialogue and stuff but then just like weird stuff like all right in one of the episodes felix is walking and this is super racist now that i think about it but at the time it was the 90s and nobody really spoke up i guess but he's walking past a chinese restaurant that is like really low on food and they were like we need meat we've got customers it maybe it was uh, some foreign country's food and the chef looks and sees felix out back and offers like hey come in here you're hungry i have food and so he tries to kill felix and serve him to the customers as like sausages And the entire time Felix is like, they put him in a, they, you know, grab him with a claw by the head. So he like unscrews his head and is walking around with like his like brainstem dragging on the floor behind him or, you know, his, he gets thrown into a sausage machine and the, or like a meat grinder. And then the pieces come out and do a little dance and then reform like they tried to make it intentionally weird. And then this Mickey Mouse cartoon, when I watch it, I've, all I kept thinking of was like, this is Twisted Tales of Felix with Mickey. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, it, you know, it's funny. It's like that, you, like you say that, it's like the old trope with The Simpsons was, is like itchy and scratchy. It's like this kind of stuff would never happen in a real kid's cartoon. And nowadays, it's, like, not far-fetched for that kind of stuff to actually happen. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Yeah. Just, like, I, like, one, like, I, common trope I see in a lot of cartoons these days is, like, a character will just randomly lick the side of another character's face, and they'll slowly lick up the side of their face, and you're just like, okay, this is a thing. <laughs> Wait, is that not how you say hello? 
I mean, I wish I could say hello like that more often to some people, but um... <laughs> I know it's it's weird if you just say it that way to some people. You have to say it to everybody. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, if that's how we're going. But I mean, I mean, look at all the SpongeBob memes that have come out of the show because of the weird stuff that happens. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like stuff like House of Mouse back in the day was so normal, but then over time, and I think SpongeBob really is the first time I can see it kind of starting is where those weird jokes would come into play amongst normal jokes. I read an article one time about how meme culture was bur- was born out of the generation who grew up on SpongeBob. And that kind of stuck with me as true to me because SpongeBob very much created that brand of humor. It's interesting, definitely. And, you know, I think stuff like Steven Universe and Adventure Time has definitely expanded upon it. And I like it because at the end of the day, these shows can still be enjoyed by kids because they're going to watch the stuff and laugh at the stupid jokes. But then if you're an adult, you really are getting that story. And so it is definitely a great way for an entire group to come together. And uh, as long as you have parents who are open to a lot it's a great way to come together and be able to watch something and you know we actually live in a culture really where a lot of kids are raised on television so to be able Mm -hmm. to know that there are shows now like steven universe and adventure time where they are putting queer culture in and stuff like that it really gives hope to the future generations that you know maybe they'll grow up not having biases yeah, there, there's there's a lot about cartoons like Steven Universe that I'm very happy for the LGBT people who are coming into adulthood that they were able to have that. I mean, you know, we we talked about this, Steven, where we where like the internet was talking about SpongeBob and his sexuality, and we were talking about like how cool that is to have like any sort of representation in popular children's media that's as innocent as, you know, SpongeBob being, whether he's gay or asexual or both or anything like that. The fact that he is anything is just, it's powerful for us having, you know, I, I grew up, you know, I, it took me so long to figure out that bisexuality was like allowed and I could be that. And there was a reason why I liked both men and women you know, there I spent so much time being like, wait, so am I gay or what? You know, and it's just like, if I had had Steven Universe or something similar in my life, it, it could have gone very differently. And I'm, I'm just happy for the upcoming generation that they get to have some of that. Yeah, I especially like, yeah, with the SpongeBob thing, I said um, before, kind of my, my stance on it is because I know there's there's been controversy, which is crazy to me. It's crazy. It's a, car- a cartoon. Yeah, but there, there's people who are like, well, no, he's asexual because the creator said he was asexual. Plus, he's a sponge, and sponges are asexual. And then there's people who are like, well, you know, I, in my opinion, it, it, 
it's a cartoon. So yeah. if a kid comes to me, like if I might one day have a son or a daughter and they watch a cartoon and they come to me and they start asking questions about that cartoon, I'm going to tell them, you know what? It's your cartoon. It's your world. If you want SpongeBob to be gay, straight, bi, pansexual, he can be whatever you want him to be. And then when they get become an adult and they make those discoveries on their own of what the character actually is, then that is that's them discovering it. But I'm not going to tell a kid. Um, I'm not going to define a cartoon to a kid. You know, like you know, because I remember for me as a kid, it's like there wasn't a lot of LGBT character cartoon characters to really look up to. So you kind of had to make them yourself. So like I was a huge Alice in Wonderland cartoon fan as a kid. And I always just in my mind thought that the Mad Hatter was like me because he was just, you know, quirky and all over the place. And he kind of had that, you know, that voice. And, you mm-hmm. know, so I was just like in my mindset and I will always think this, I will think, I think the Mad Hatter is gay. And it's just kind of like, it's good as a kid to find those characters and find a way to connect with them. Um, And, you know, I think that Spongebob especially can still connect with asexual kids because even if he is gay, I think he's, I think, like, even if Nickelodeon wants to define him as gay, you can still say that he could be asexual and gay. Like, he might find men attractive, but that doesn't mean that he wants to have sexual relations with men. Like, you know, it's like he can be asexual and gay at the same time. So that's kind of how I like to look at it. And in the end, the biggest question that people should have about SpongeBob isn't SpongeBob's sexuality. It's if Mr. Krabs is a crab and Pearl is a whale, what the (laughs) hell is Mrs. Krabs? That's the question we need to be asking. These are the questions we should be asking. I don't think you want to think about any of the characters in SpongeBob having sex. I just want to know what species I need to hear. I just want to know what species Mrs. Krabs is. What do you what do you mix with a crab to make a whale? I is it a dinosaur? You know, there's that's that's come up so much. I can't believe that they haven't been like, oh, let's throw this episode in of Mr. Krabs adopting Pearl through some random means where he thought he was gonna get money. There's actually a joke in the Broadway show, because I saw the show on Broadway, the musical, and at one point, Mr. Krabs, they like SpongeBob. I think SpongeBob says something, and Crab, Mr. Krabs is like, "Oh, I don't like to talk about it." <laughs> like it's just like, <laughs> or Pearl goes, "I just don't understand how I'm even your daughter." Like I think that's what it is. And so I know there is an ep- there was a recent episode of SpongeBob where I can't remember if it was an alien or it was. I think it was a light, like a light comes and it like transforms them all into like just normal undersea like it transforms like say pearl's a whale it transforms her into a real whale like a real looking whale so i've always been in the mindset that like they are amphithomormic cartoons and like the laws of nature don't apply see i thought of it that way until i read the theory that bikini bottom is just this ocean beneath the bikini islands where they tested nuclear bombs and that they're all irradiated and that's why they look like that 
I mean, there's theories that could support that. Like, uh, I've been playing Battle for Bikini Bottom, the rehydrated uh, version. <laughs> and if you pay attention during the game, there's a bunch of, like, nuclear bombs that are just, like, sitting all over the place. For no reason. Like, they're never, no one says anything about them. They're just there. Huh. Um, and it's funny, you know, because Vicky and I talked about it with the whole Spongebob being gay thing. It brought up a conversation where I was like, well, if you really look at the show, you have so many LGBT tropes. Like, I mean, you really have three different types of gay guys on that block. Like, if you look at Squidward, he's very much the preppy, you know, put together type of gay guy. And then you have Patrick, who's kind of more of the... I would classify myself as more of a Patrick, where it's kind of like nerdy and, you know, I, I don't want to define labels, but like, you know, the bear type guy, like that kind of thing. And then does that Bob mean, kind of, wait, does that mean that you have an alarm set to go off at 3.30 a.m. every day so you can eat a cheeseburger? I mean, have I eaten food at 3.30 a.m.? And has it maybe once been a cheeseburger? Probably, yes. <laughs> Just one of my favorite gags from all of SpongeBob was when it was the middle of the night and the alarm goes off and Patrick wakes up and he goes, yay, 3.30 a.m. And he throws off the blanket and he just eats a cheeseburger and then goes back to sleep. You mean you, mean you guys are waking up at 3.30 a.m.? I'm still awake at 3.30 a.m. I mean, at this point, I'm awake. Well, 3.30 is the new 9 o'clock, y'all. Well, and then SpongeBob is literally a twink. Like, he's, you know, I mean, these are very stereotypical. Me and Steven though. talked about this for, like, two hours the other day. <laughs> well, and Sandy, it's, like, kind of gives off the lesbian vibe. I mean, these are very stereotypical tropes, but it's, like, you can find someone, if you're LGBT, to really connect with in SpongeBob. It's, it's crazy. And I don't know if that was done purposely or not. Uh, and then all straight people just relate to Plankton, just across the board. Oh, Plankton <laughs> is the straight person because he's, yeah. you know, miserable. <laughs> Ow. Granted, he, he, Sorry, has, Dan. he has Karen. He has Karen. She's there. Yeah, but it she depends was... on the episode as to whether or not they like each other. Welcome to straight people. <laughs> yeah, fair. As a divorced man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got mr krabs too Fair. i don't know mr krabs is a whole trip of zone i think mr krabs is more attracted to money than he's else. the true asexual of the show i was gonna say yeah it's like with um as a mr krabs with money just reminds me of uh jughead from archie who in the comics that it's based off of if you ignore riverdale Jughead's asexual and there was an episode where he or an issue where he was talking about it and he's just like no I see all the effort you all put into like dating and relationships and that just seems like so much work I would just all the time you take I could eat like eight cheeseburgers I would rather just do that you know I kind of agree with <laughs> there is a lot of effort and stuff into that world and Sometimes I'm happy just being single. <laughs> so does that conclude our episode on Spongebob? Hey, you know what? We went through all the different cartoons. So we went through it today, y'all. Spongebob universe. universe. to cartoons. So I think we covered all the bases. Yeah. Nice. Well, then, all right. Um, 
since I'm our next episode's nerd. Um, let me get my uh, my terrible teaser ready. Mm. So at first I wanted to just say it's about an orphan who gets powers. But that's everything. And I wanted to be a little more specific than that. Because, <laughs> like, I know it may sound absurd, but I don't want to be naive. Even heroes have the right to bleed. That's my teaser. Okay. Big tease. That's that's me. That was deep. Even heroes have the right to bleed. Uh, anyone, anyone who knows the song that that's referencing, either is singing it to themselves now, like, oh, I forgot that song, that's awesome, or damn it, I finally got it out of my head last week. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. Uh, bye, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. bye.